You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled The Agency. Hello my radio friends. Welcome to the program today. I hope you find what I want to share with you to be very informative and helpful. One day, recently, while a cold front was passing over where I live, it was cold and very windy, so I took the opportunity to visit a friend. And uh, this friend is an active member of the Lutheran Church, and he and his wife had been attending some special programs in the church dealing with the church liturgy. My friend's wife handed me a sheet entitled Divine Service with Holy Communion. In there I was able to read about how a typical Lutheran church service is formatted, where the responsive readings and all else, apart from the minister's address to the congregation, is to be done. Personally, I'm not much in favour of some of those regular liturgical functions, as it seems they are repeated over and over again. I suspect they end up taking the form of ceremonies, rather than a genuine reaching out to God. However, there are some people who like the ceremonial acts of worship, services, and I respect their opinions. The liturgical practices remind me of a number of statements the Lord made through several Old Testament prophets where God castigated people for replacing true worship with forms and ceremonies. One of these statements is found in Isaiah chapter 1 verses 11 through to 17 and it says this, Here's what the Lord said, The multitudes of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and fatted animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths and convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer... I'll hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. 
Now, I realize this message from God was primarily directed at the Israelites, but in a secondary sense, it applies to all people who claim to worship God irrespective of time or place. God pronounced that he had no pleasure in round after round of rituals and ceremonies. He expressed what he really wanted as worship, and that was to put into practice the care and helping of the disenfranchised in the community, people like widows, orphans, the disabled, the poor, the underprivileged, and even the foreigners. But back to this information sheet I was telling you about. One thing really startled me. This part is read by the minister in charge of the worship service. He is to say, and I quote directly from this um, uh, paper that my Lutheran friends had given me, this is what he says. Christ gave to his church the authority to forgive the sins of those who repent and to declare to those who do not repent that their sins are not forgiven. Now listen to this. Therefore, upon your confession, I, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God to all of you, and on behalf of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you of your sins, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, if that's the case, that a minister or priest can forgive sins, who needs God? Who needs Jesus? But the information sheet gives four biblical references, which are used to support the practice of the church minister taking upon himself the authority to forgive sins. I'll share each of these verses with you first then make comments afterwards. The first was from John chapter 20, verse 23, where Jesus was addressing the disciples sometime after his resurrection. He said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The second reference is from Matthew 18.18. Again, Jesus was addressing his disciples. He said, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The third is from Matthew 16.19. Here Jesus was speaking primarily to Peter, but with the other disciples gathered around. He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then we come to the fourth reference, which is not quite compatible with the idea suggested in the previous three references. It's from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, and it says, 
If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, one of my questions is, does a human being, a fellow sinner since everyone has sinned, have the power the authority to forgive people's sins. Does it mean that a minister or a priest has the authority to act as God's agent to forgive? (laughs) But there are other questions that also arise. What are the correct channels for forgiveness? And what happens if someone has no connection with a minister or a priest? Can they receive forgiveness, or are they damned? When one considers the verses I just quoted, it appears that the disciples, at least, were given the power to act as agents for God to forgive or not to forgive people of their sins. What an awesome responsibility that is. Friends, if we come to such a conclusion that priests and ministers have the authority to forgive sins, such a conclusion must also fit with other biblical statements dealing with the subject of forgiveness. So let us see what other statements on this subject have to say. The first of these is Acts chapter 20, verse 21. The Apostle Paul announced, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. The second is from 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. It says, My dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks in our defence, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Now 1 John 1.9 was quoted earlier, but to remind you it says this, If we confess our sins, he, and that's Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then there's the story about the lame man whom Jesus healed. It's found in Matthew chapter 9. There were many critical Jewish leaders present on that occasion looking for reasons to entrap Jesus. Matthew 9, verse 6, is this reference. Jesus said to them, The Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. In Matthew chapter 9 is a short reference to a time when Jesus came to Capernaum And there, lying on a mat, was another paralytic man. Verse 2 says, When Jesus saw there, this is the man who brought the paralytic, 
saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus was God in human form, and he had the right to forgive sins. What was said to the disciples as recorded in John 20 verse 23 is not compatible with what the rest of Scripture has to say about forgiveness. The disciples were not given absolute authority to forgive sins or not to forgive sins, as I'll show you soon. There is not one single reference in the New Testament that any of the disciples forgave someone their sins. Now, I need to repeat that. There is not a single reference in the New Testament of any of the disciples forgiving anyone their sins. However, there are plenty of references of where the disciples urged their hearers to ask God for forgiveness. The disciples taught and preached about people's needs for forgiveness and how forgiveness could be obtained. So did Christ give the disciples carte blanche to forgive people of their sins, or was something else intended? Friends, this is not a trivial matter. If one accepts what the Roman Catholic Church teaches and what the Lutheran Church where my friend attends teaches, that a minister or preach, a priest rather has the authority to forgive sins, and on good faith someone expects to be forgiven by that minister or priest, he or she may end up not being forgiven at all. Because of the seriousness of this issue, and because I want to be fair-minded, I've made an effort to consult 12 different Bible commentaries to see what the commentators have to say. There is general agreement that Jesus did not give absolute authority to the disciples to dispense forgiveness or to withhold forgiveness as they chose. Here is one commentary on John chapter 20, verse 23, that basically summarises what the others have to say. Here's the comment. We should consider this important point. The Greek tenses of John 20, verse 23, make it clear that the apostles were authorised only to announce the terms of forgiveness on the basis of God's previous appointment. Literally, the text suggests, those whose sins you forgive have already been forgiven. Those whose sins who you do not forgive have not already been forgiven. In other words, the apostles and others since that time were only authorised to declare forgiveness consistent with what the Lord had already determined. In a comprehensive treatment of this passage, the noted Greek scholar J.R. Mante 
pointed out that the Greek fathers never quoted this passage in support of the concept of absolution, which is, of course, forgiveness. Finally, that the disciples were authorised to announce the terms of salvation rather than personally granting it is confirmed by the fact that on the day of Pentecost, in harmony with the Spirit's guidance, they did not personally forgive the sins of anyone. Rather, they merely proclaimed the conditions of pardon to which men and women were amenable. John chapter 20 verse 23 does not sanction the modern Catholic clergy procedure of granting absolution from sin. Now we're going to have a little break here and go on with things straight afterwards. just finished reading to you a statement from one of 12 Bible commentaries which were agreed on this particular subject about who can forgive sin. And none of those statements sanctioned or authorised any minister or clergyman of any religious persuasion to have the right to forgive sins. 
Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13, and Luke 11, 2 to 4, both record the Lord's Prayer. This is the prayer Christ taught his disciples. And just for the record, several other prayers of Christ are also recorded in the Gospels. Part of the Lord's Prayer says this, Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And then in Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, Jesus explained an important principle. He said, If you do not forgive men their sins or people their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So who does the forgiving, according to what Jesus taught? God has the ultimate say, but on a personal level, if someone sins against me and asks for forgiveness, it is my duty as a Christian to forgive him or her. But who forgives me when I sin against God and what he commands? It's only God who can forgive in this case. Let's say that in a fit of rage I curse the name of God or use his holy name in a careless manner. Who can forgive me? Can you? No. Can a minister or a priest? Definitely no. It is God alone. Jesus, speaking to the disciples and commissioning them to preach and teach the gospel, made them his representatives to carry on the work which he had begun. This was the work of revealing the nature of God and of showing the way of salvation. Part of the message of salvation included showing that all are sinners and that all need repentance in order to be saved. The disciples were to establish churches, and the church was to work for lost sinners. Amongst the membership in a church are certain people who need restoration. When there is evidence that a sinner has made things right with God and that man, the church is to accept the repentance as genuine and is to accept such a person back into fellowship. Such a remitting of sins is ratified in heaven. In fact, God has already accepted and pardoned the repentant one. The scriptures explicitly teach, however, that confession of sin and repentance for it are to be made directly to the throne of grace in heaven and that the release of the soul from sin comes only through the merits of Christ and his personal mediation as explained in 1 John chapter 2. This prerogative of forgiveness God has never delegated to erring mortals who themselves are so often in need of divine mercy and grace, even though they may be appointed leaders of the church. For a priest or minister to claim that he, because he is appointed to be the leader of a church congregation, can forgive sins, is overstepping the role he has been, he's been given. He is to accept that someone who has repented of his or her sins 
has already been forgiven by the Lord. But he, this is the minister or priest, has no authority to forgive such a person independent of the Lord. In other words, he has no authority to bar from membership in the family of God someone who's been forgiven. But on the other hand, he has the authority to receive into membership someone who has genuinely repented of their sins. And the opposite is true. A minister has the authority to bar someone who has not repented of their sins. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, as previously quoted, says, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What do the terms bind and loose mean? Did Jesus mean that the disciples would be given power and authority to exercise arbitrary discretion to determine who would be forgiven or not? If the answer is yes, then that would negate personal choices about being saved. And that would mean the elimination of such statements as in John 3.16 where again Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Binding and loosing refers to the preaching and teaching of the gospel. The disciples were given the task of revealing to fallen mankind the way to be saved. Their job was to show that God was willing to forgive repentant sinners and as well they were to help lead people to make the choice to be forgiven. But the gospel of salvation has two effects. Some will choose to take up God's free offer of grace to be saved and others will reject it. The disciples were to proclaim the way of salvation and in that way they were the agents through whom the Holy Spirit worked. People were bound or loosed by how they reacted to the proclamation of the gospel message for that is the nature of the work of proclaiming the good news of salvation. In order for any of the disciples to arbitrarily hand out forgiveness, they would need to be sinless. We know from the experience of Peter that he made many mistakes, disqualifying himself on that score. Any minister or priest who claims that God has given him authority to forgive sins must similarly be sinless. But no one is sinless. To me, it is presumption to the highest degree that a minister or priest claims to have the authority to forgive sins. I believe it is a false doctrine, and I must warn you, dear listeners, don't fall for that line. 
Satan is out to pervert pure doctrine, to deceive people into accepting his lies. And according to my understanding of God's word, the Bible, the claim about clerical forgiveness of sins made by Catholics and Lutherans is wrong. If you have sinned, ask God for forgiveness. Forget about receiving forgiveness from the minister or priest, for he has no more right to forgive you than a dead cat has. So then, till next time, this is Len signing off and wishing you God's blessings and a spirit-filled life.